Let's go celebrate New Year's, he said. Let's go on a cruise, he said. Let's film an episode on the boat, he said. Hey, maybe no one's going to notice. Ron, people are definitely going to notice. <sighs> well, does that mean we're not going to do the birthdays? I know somebody who's not going to have a birthday. It's time for the Postmortem Report with your hosts, Ronald McGillray and Michael Schotter. Each month, these sultans of speculative fiction take a break from bending reality to ask one burning question. What cool stuff got buried in the social media graveyard while people were busy yelling at each other? Well, there's only one way to find out. So let's dig into it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Postmortem Report. I'm your co-host, Michael Schotter. And I'm Ronald McGilvery. And we wish you a happy new year. And welcome to episode six. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah. My arms are tired from all that hanging. I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. You seem to have dried off pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, my rage has cooled down considerably as well. So I, I think we can yeah. move forward and get past any mistakes that were made. Perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> I'm glad when I landed, I hit that uh, that one person. So uh, saved my uh, any injuries. Yeah, that, that was really convenient of them to fall uh, right yeah. right there and, and break your fall. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. yeah. Fortunately, that wave just washed them away. But we survived, and that's what's important. Yes, indeed. Just in time for the sequel. Exactly. Because if we hadn't survived, no one would ever find out about the birthdays. That's true. That's very true. Well, speaking of which, we've got a lot of birthdays again. You ready for another marathon of <laughs> festive celebration? Absolutely. Nothing gives me greater pleasure than to share the birthdays to everybody out there and to wish everyone a happy birthday All right. shall we get started let's do it all right so a happy birthday to joshua mcmillan whose birthday was november 4th the author of the death house um another birthday christina pfeiffer uh, her birthday november 5th of the mothers and uh, of mayhem fame uh donnie goodman his birthday is also on November 5th. Uh, he has uh, an interview on terrifying tomes of terror that you should uh, check out. Um, Greg Gaffune, November 5th, uh, author of Devil's Breath and uh, God Machine. Um, Gord Rollo, uh, November 12th as well, uh, Between the Devil and the Deep Blue Sea. Happy birthday to uh, Gord. Uh, Lee Richmond has a birthday, November 13th, uh, whose uh, book Medley of the Macabre uh, was co-written with uh, Mark Green. Uh, happy birthday, Lee. Uh, Winter Adams, uh, her birthday, November 13th. Uh, hopefully it doesn't fall on a Friday for you. Uh, author of uh, Scandal After Dark. Uh, Roland Bercy Jr., November 17th, of the pre-Thanksgiving stress disorder fame. Happy birthday to uh, Roland. Uh, another birthday, Karina Morse, November 18th of No Remorse Reviews. 
Happy birthday to uh, Karina. Um, Keith Adam Lufke, November 18th. Uh, his book, Bigfoot Prey, uh, hit number 36 on Amazon. I was, I don't know, it's probably even higher now. Coincidentally, Bigfoot's shoe size. There you go. Uh, another birthday, Jennifer Sullivan, uh, November 19th, uh, reviewer for uh, Kendall Reviews. Happy birthday to Jennifer. Uh, Ronald Kelly, another birthday. Uh, a lot of uh, November babies. Mm -hmm. um, his birthday is uh, November 20th. Uh, his book, Southern Fried and Horrified, is out. So if people are looking for a book about uh, writing, yeah, congrats to him out. on uh, finally retiring from his day job also. I believe he yes. uh, he retired at the end of the year officially and is now a yeah. full-time writer, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. I think today was his final day, which wouldn't actually be today that you're watching the show. No, don't 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 summon Al Roker. We've already yeah. been through this. There you go. <laughs> um Brandy Carroll, her birthday November 20th of Horror Nerds. If you guys haven't checked out uh, that group, definitely go check it out. There's also Horror uh, Nerds Reviews. Check that one out as well. Armand Rosamilia, November 21st, his birthday. Uh, make Pretend. You want to make sure to check that. Uh, yeah, and his, uh, his newest um, short fiction collection, uh, Who Can Say, has yeah. come out as well. It's volume three, I think, isn't it, of his shorts? Indeed. He's got three yeah. of those now. Yeah. It's a prolific fella. Mm -hmm. um, so happy uh, happy birthday, Armand. You're not, um, not going to mention his sidekick? Well, he hasn't liked any of my stuff lately. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Screw so, that guy. But uh, we can give him a shout out. Okay. Happy birthday, Chuck, I guess. <laughs> you should like more of our stuff. And leave a comment on our uh yeah you social media slacker video yeah yeah so happy birthday chuck um lenore uh, sagoski november 25th um she has a trailer for her short film rage that's uh, up so everyone should go and uh, check that out leave a comment happy birthday to uh, lenore and um to marion phillips vanderland November 29th. She's uh, been very supportive of a lot of uh, my, my stuff and my posts. I appreciate uh, all her support. I wish her uh, all the best for her birthday. Hope all of them had uh, a great uh, birthday, had a great November, and wishing you all the best for the remainder or for the actually the year ahead from us at the Postmortem Report. Excellent. Take a deep I'm breath. Exhausted. You, yeah, I I don't blame you. That was a yeah. that was quite the marathon. Well yeah. done. There's well a lot done, of sir. partying going on in November. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I haven't gotten any invitations yet, though. Oh, well, That's I'm sure be. I'm sure you'll make it uh, <laughs> into everybody's uh, invitation pool next year. Yeah, I can, yeah. Imagine. I can imagine. Well, you know, uh, speaking of partying. There was another recent uh, festive occurrence, you know, associated with New Year's that I think we uh, should let people know about, although it's a little too late for them to participate in it. It's never too late for Godzilla. Absolutely. Run for 
the Godzilla Marathon is coming. <laughs> Seven smash hit movies featuring the terror of Tokyo himself on New Year's Day. Uh, I can't believe it. You can win a giant six-foot Godzilla or your very own Godzilla video. To enter, just send in your name, address, and telephone number. All entries must be received by December 27th. Then watch the Godzilla Marathon on New Year's Day and see if you're a winner. The L.A. Marathon is coming, but not before the Godzilla Marathon. Twelve crunching hours of nonstop mayhem on New Year's Day. The dubbing is awful, the action is great, and it's hosted by Michelangelo of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He'll be giving away prizes, including six-foot inflatable Godzillas. You might be a winner. Watch the Godzilla Marathon on New Year's Day, only on Channel 13. So, you know, I know it might not be at the top of everybody's list if Godzilla comes to, like, trash your neighborhood or whatever. But one thing you might want to keep in mind is that that would be a good time to go save some books from your local library, you know, before it gets pulverized. Um, and actually, I think you read something recently that people might be interested in hearing about before Godzilla incinerates it. Yes, get it soon. <laughs> Um, yeah, I uh, read this month was uh, Bishop by uh, Candace Nola. It was a creature feature. It's uh, about, I was going to say a werewolf. It's about a werebear. Hmm. And uh, it was um, takes place in uh, the Alaskan uh, backwoods. And uh, the one thing that really came across me when I was reading it was just how she brought the whole backwoods to life i was really impressed with uh, her writing style and how um you know i i wrote a review on it it was just like how when i was sitting there reading it i could almost feel the like the cold wind blowing mm -hmm. when i was reading it and uh it was almost like a character within itself you know the uh, backwoods the snow nice. and um but uh it's a it's a really good story um it's based on uh, these uh, two women, uh, mother and uh, daughter, who go hiking, and they're experienced hikers, and they come across uh, something very evil in the woods. And mm -hmm. um, we have our main antagonist who comes in, and uh, he's looking for his missing family members who haven't called in and mm. uh, he goes searching for them and uh, all sorts of mayhem ensues. And uh, I was, I, I was, <laughs> I was going to say something, but I don't want it. It's, it would ruin it. I thought it was very clever, yeah. but it was too clever. So I'm yeah. not going to actually spoil it. Don't but, spoil um, the cleverness. Yeah. yeah. It ruined the story. And, um, but yeah, it's really good. It's, uh, mm -hmm. mm. I always think it's interesting gonna... when you have the creature feature where there's also, uh, sort of the, the evil human element too, right? Cause then you kind of get to juxtapose what's worse, the evil creature or the evil human. Yeah, well, there's a twist. Yeah, I'm not saying anymore because people haven't read it. 
I don't want to ruin anything, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm gonna put you in the spoiler corner. No, no spoilers. Yeah, um, it's yeah. Uh, it, it's um, it was very clever what mm -hmm. uh, what she did, and once again, it's a it's a very compact book, so it's a it's a quick read. You don't want to put it down, and um, uh, once again, because it's a, a shorter work, you say too much, and you just kind of ruin the whole thing for everyone. Sure, but yeah. It really, it really moves along quick, and uh, I give it two thumbs up, and I think you should definitely read it. I'm sure a lot of people already have, because mm -hmm. uh, it gets a lot of uh, buzz, but uh, uh, Bishop by Candice Nola, definitely check it out. Excellent. What about you? Anything uh, new this well, month? I decided to, to borrow a page from your book and actually read an audio book this month. So. Uh. I read something that I was very excited to check out, which is Aliens Vasquez by V. Castro, uh, which is a book, unsurprisingly, set in the Aliens universe that uh, follows. Uh, and I and this is definitely not a spoiler because it's covered in the synopsis for the book, but the descendants of the character. Jeanette Vasquez from the movie Aliens. Um, and it also kind of covers a little bit of her backstory, like sort of the first part of the book tends to focus more on what led her to her um, fate, let's say. Okay. And then uh, the, the, the rest of the book, the bulk of the book uh, deals with her twin children who she was basically separated from at birth, according to the sort of canonical narrative that's established in this book. And um, this was an interesting one for me. I definitely enjoyed it for the most part, but it also kind of made me think a little bit about like how tough it is to work in the context of an established intellectual property like this, right? Because a lot of the things I've been reading lately are sort of new universes or new settings or new concepts or whatever. It's been a while since I've read anything that was set in an established universe, right? Like it's been a while since I read a, a Star Trek book or a Star Wars book or a, you know, Aliens book or anything like that. Um, right. And so I was immediately reminded of just like what a hard tightrope that is to walk as an author to like play in somebody else's universe like that yeah. but i i actually thought she did a really good job uh, with that aspect of it and like actually i think one of the strongest parts of the book is the way that it ties into and builds off of the sort of legacy of you know particularly what's established in that second alien film um and, and of course, the characters uh, that you would expect to be referenced uh, as part of that. Um, I will say, you know, if I'm being 100% honest about it, I, I was a little disappointed in certain aspects of the book. There were, there were some things that I didn't necessarily love about it, but I really wanted to talk about it here because I think it is something that we've talked about previously on the show but i think this is a particularly good example of the idea of how something doesn't necessarily have to be perfect to be worthwhile and enjoyable right so it's like there's a lot of things that i really like 
and have had a good time experiencing that I wouldn't necessarily say are like 10 out of 10, you know, knock it out of the park, grand slam experiences. Yeah. And I, I think there's nothing wrong with that. Right. I think that's a perfectly good, reasonable mindset to have. And I've, I've been kind of dismayed in recent years by this whole idea that's become so pervasive of like, if something's not a 10 out of 10 or a five star or whatever, it's not worth your time. And I feel like this is a great example to me of a book that like, even though I didn't necessarily love it, I still would recommend it and think it's worth experiencing. And particularly think it's something that like people who are fans of the aliens, you know, universe and franchise would probably enjoy you know, checking out. Are there lots of aliens? Uh, there are aliens. Yes, they 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 do make an appearance more than <laughs> once. Uh, I will say, and I think this is something that other folks who've talked about the book have echoed uh, publicly. So I don't think it's again, it's much of a spoiler to say that like certain aspects of the book might be a little surprising to people because it does delve into, um. A lot of cultural stuff and a lot of you know generational family type stuff because obviously like a, a big part of the book is sort of establishing these new characters right and who right. they are and what they have going on and you know even though there's uh, a lot of references being made to events from the aliens films uh and the those things definitely do end up factoring very prominently in the story particularly by the time we get to the end of things um there's a lot of time also spent just setting up the characters and, and establishing you know their their reality and their like existence you know and sort of the aftermath of of losing their mother and all that sort of thing and how that plays into who they end up becoming as people and and so there's some there's some interesting like uh cultural and philosophical aspects to the story that I think might be a little surprising to somebody if they're going into the book thinking, oh, this is just going to be a story about shooting aliens in the face, right? Like, But I appreciated that. I think actually that would probably be the second thing that I'd say uh, was, was some of my favorite stuff about the book is just the really good cultural representation and the really good effort to try to create new sort of fleshed out developed characters that are a continuation of what was established in the films um now again you know to to kind of to kind of balance that out a little bit you know some of the some of the characters and some of the plot stuff i didn't think was maybe as fleshed out or as developed as i would have liked uh but you know the good stuff that's there is really good and definitely, I think, worth experiencing. So overall, you know, definitely give it a thumbs up. Are there any abandoned spaceships? Like <laughs> any abandoned spaceships? Uh, no, no abandoned spaceships. Yeah, so that, that box does not get checked. So we are not, we are not, uh, we're not having a, the literary version of uh, Alien Isolation, as you've mentioned yeah. in previous episodes. <laughs> so you're not going to, you're not going to scratch that particular itch. I'm, I'm sorry yeah, to okay. say. It's more planetary. Yeah. Yeah. More, more yeah. of a planetary situation, more of a, um, you know, with, a, and, and that's one thing is this is like a full length novel, right? This is like a 300, I think 50 plus page novel. So there's, 
there's quite a bit there, right? It's it's a fairly chunky book. So yeah. I, I don't feel bad mentioning some of these things or like confirming or denying certain things because yeah. really no matter how much I tell you, there's going to be stuff that you're not going to know about, right? Yeah. There's there's going to be stuff that is going to be a surprise. Um, so, you know, that that probably gives you some idea of like the, the depth of what's presented. So, um, you know, kind of go into it understanding that that it's uh yeah. it's not going to be necessarily a quick read i think like the audio book was almost 12 hours of audio um so you know that that was uh definitely a commitment to uh get yeah. through that one that would sound like a cool concept sort of visiting a yeah character yeah. from a definitely risky right like i i definitely yeah. have to give them credit for even having the guts to tackle that right yeah. because like that that is a a very beloved very storied very revered and respected thing aliens yeah. and and that character in particular of vasquez i think is is definitely a fan favorite uh yeah. among readers and, and and well not readers so much as as moviegoers yeah. Uh, and film aficionados right she's definitely in that pantheon of like great sort of badass uh memorable movie characters yeah so uh to to go to even go there you know took some took some guts for sure so uh yeah super good times so uh i believe you had a, a little audio adventure of your own here recently right that's right, because I'm not going to be outdone. As soon mm -hmm. as I found out you were listening to audiobooks, that got to get an audiobook. Mm -hmm. So I actually decided to go into your wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. This is more of like a science fiction uh, suspense. It's called The Recursion by uh, Blake Crouch. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because I was, I was looking for something to try, and I like the idea behind it. And... Um, it's um, in a nutshell, it's kind of it's a, a suspense time travel, but not time travel like you've ever experienced before. Mm -hmm. And um, it uh, it's about this one character. She um, has a mother that has Alzheimer's, and she's trying to come up with a way to. Uh, bring back memories, some to help her mother, maybe even, you know, cure her mother's disease. And like other sort of books or movies like that, things that you, uh, you try to do for the good end up getting in wrong hands or don't quite work out the way they have. And mm -hmm. um, things happen and then it, it goes back where, you're trying to stop things that happen. Now I'll admit some of the time I had to actually like go back a bit because there's timelines going back and forth and it can sometimes be confusing. And uh, so I had to, and when you're, when you're listening to an audiobook instead of reading it, you know, you, you miss a section or something cause you, you're crossing the road or what have you when you're mm -hmm. uh, walking uh this one took a lot but it's uh it's fast paced the narration was was excellent 
Um, the story is really cool. Um, if you like sort of time travel adventure yarns, this would definitely be uh, a good pick. Uh, I've only read a few uh, time travel books, but maybe I should look for more because I really, I, I seem to like each one that I've read. There was, Cameron was called out by Jack Finney. He wrote one. Of course, it was a time machine. Uh, yeah. Lightning by um, Dean Koontz was actually mm -hmm. is my favorite Dean Koontz book. But uh, this recursion is really cool. It has the science fiction, um, uh, uh, you name it. It's got science fiction. It's got apocalyptic stuff. It's got the adv adventure. Um, it's uh, the story is really. It's really something. So if uh, you're looking for an interesting time traveling adventure book, Recursion by Blake Crouch is definitely uh, one to check out. Nice. I have a yeah. question before we go on, though. Mm -hmm. I noticed uh, one of your books have uh, disappeared. Oh. You. It's like quest question marks. Yes. Uh, yeah. I was wondering if you were going to notice that. Uh, yeah, so... Uh... I was going to mention at some point here, and this is as good a good time as any, I guess, that uh, I actually am going to be announcing a new book here very shortly. And this is sort of the first hint of, uh, of what's, what's to come with that. And uh, people who are familiar with my, my previous book here, 309, will be very interested in, I think, what this book ends up being. Uh, and that is what I'm going to leave it at for now. But uh, probably by the time this episode airs, you will not have too long to wait to see what this new book is actually all about and when you'll be able to get your mitts on it, as it were. Perfect. It'll be a happy New Year baby book. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Although it, it, it will, it will definitely babies. not be uh, available <laughs> uh quite that soon but uh, little little tease little bit to tantalize you and what's your appetite for what's coming there but uh to. nice nice thank you um but getting back to to recursion for a second um yeah uh i just think it's interesting because i personally am not like a huge fan of just straight up time travel stories i always think it's much more interesting when the time travel is linked to some other element right like a post-apocalyptic element or or some other wrinkle or facet of storytelling beyond just you know going through time and tinkering with stuff right because that right. that sort of thing's been done so many times yeah by so many great authors over the years right like going all the way back to like stuff like sound of thunder you know ray bradbury and all that um but like i'm curious like what would you say having read that book is like the percentage of like time travel focus versus like other elements in that book? Like, is it real heavy on the time travel stuff or is the time travel more just like a, a component? So it's not like when well, we're going back to the dinosaurs mm -hmm. to, you know, see mm -hmm. the T-Rex or whatever. This is right. It's, it's um, shorter spans that are affecting you know, people's lives. And not only is it the time travel part, but there's, you're dealing with 
things that are occurring because of people who've meddled mm-hmm. with this time travel and it's 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 affecting people in different ways which i also won't get into too much but it's um it's no, a multifaceted cool. book it's uh, it's a really unique uh travel one once again it's one of those books that i was like <clears throat> why didn't i think of that yeah nice nice yeah, it's uh original nice well i know uh i know blake crouch is definitely like uh gotten a lot of kudos in the science fiction community over the years i know like uh in particular his book dark matter uh is like highly highly regarded by a lot of different people uh in the genre so definitely probably need to add that one to my list for sure uh at some point but uh, it's it was really good and i don't read a lot of science fiction but maybe i will maybe i'll start to because i was I, I really like, I gravitate to it, like really original ideas. And mm-hmm. uh, this one, when I was flicking through stuff, I thought, that sounds like really interesting. So it did well, not let me down. Sci-fi is definitely the genre for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, speaking of books and reading and uh, doing things original and different, mm-hmm. uh I did want to talk a little bit about a couple of uh, a couple of topics that I think folks might find interesting who are who are into reading in general. One of which is something that I'm actually trying for the first time myself uh, in the new year, which is a buddy read. Um, so, folks who watch the show, and if you don't, why not? Uh, might recall us talking about the book black house uh back when we mentioned peter straub's passing a few episodes ago and uh that actually prompted my sister to talk to me about doing a buddy read for that book because i had mentioned how it had been on my tbr forever and she kind of was in the same boat and we said well why don't we read it together uh and i was i was curious and i think i already know the answer to this have you ever buddy read a book with anybody? Yeah, no. No, not your thing? <laughs> yeah. No, too much pressure. Too much yeah. pressure. I just, uh, I mean, it'd be interesting. Like I thought at one point, do like a, you know, book club. Because I have some family members that do book club. And, you know, they sit down, they discuss it. Oh, that'd be kind of fun. But then I'd be like, I wouldn't be done in time. Or I wouldn't finish because of my schedule. And then. I'd feel yeah. like I was under pressure. Like I like to read at my own, it's your own pace, sure. And yeah, uh, yeah it just is too much pressure for for me to buddy read. Yeah, well, I think the way we're we're kind of approaching it is going to be fairly low key, right? We're not really setting a deadline or anything like that. We're just saying, hey, we're both going to do this. We're going to kind of check in with each other periodically and see how far yeah. we've gotten you know, maybe talk about the parts that we've are we both already read. It's going to be a fairly chill, relaxed uh, sort of experience because I've seen a lot of people do that over the years, especially in the uh, booktube community uh, where like people will get together and like sort of do analysis of books or, or sort of partner up with somebody who's maybe had more experience with a book than they have so they can get more insight into it as they're reading yeah. it and that sort of thing. And I think that aspect of it is, is kind of cool. Uh, but also, I think it's just a good 
motivator, right? Like it's a good way to just say, okay, this is a book that I know I want to read and this other person wants to read. And regardless of how long it takes for us to get through it, eventually we will. And then if nothing else, I know I have at least one other person I can talk to about that book. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of times I'll, I'll read books and I'm pretty sure that like nobody else I know is ever going to read that book. And it's kind of a bummer, right? Because you got nobody to talk to about it. Yeah. But um, yeah, so that'll be an interesting experiment. Like I said, that that'll be my first time officially trying to do a quote unquote buddy read. So I'll let you all know how that goes. Uh, It'll be interesting. Yeah. We'll see if I'm still talking to my sister afterwards. Yeah. That'll be a good indicator. Well, well, hopefully you both enjoy the book. Yeah. Or both dislike or it. Both, or both time. don't enjoy the book and, yeah. and you know, take uh, commiserate about that. Yeah. 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 I, I have a feeling I'm probably going to end up liking it. I mean, that's how I ended. It's how I ended up on my TBR in the first place. Yeah. You know, so I think that uh, there's a good chance it, it's got a good shot. The other, the other thing I'm kind of debating is whether or not I'm going to do it as an audio book or or a physical read. Um, so that's that's something I'm still deciding. If anybody has any ideas about that, if anybody has read it and wants to suggest one way or the other. You know, drop a comment or something. Um, but, you know, getting back to uh, BookTube, which I had mentioned previously, that was something else I wanted to talk about, at least briefly here, uh, before we mm -hmm. wrap, wrap up the books segment. Um, because uh, it's been about, I'd say, a little over a year now since I really started getting into watching booktube videos and that sort of thing on YouTube. And it's really kind of opened my eyes uh, over the past year to just how kind of big and important and interesting that community has become uh, in terms of like really driving people's book recommendations and kind of the conversation around books online. And it's not even really limited to to youtube but even things like uh instagram with the whole bookstagram tag and tiktok with the whole book talk tag and all these sort of outlets on social media for people just talking publicly about books in really kind of interesting ways yeah. have you kind of noticed this trend over the past few years yeah i i'm just happy that there's people still reading Right. You know, it's it's refreshing to know. And not only do they're reading, but they're enjoying it and willing to discuss it. And there's lots of people that are watching them. So it shows the people who the naysayers are saying that, you know, books and reading are dead. Definitely not mm -hmm. the case. Yeah. I mean, they're they're not doing like, you know, video game content numbers. Right. Or like some of the other things out there that are more popular. Right. Like, you know car stuff or, or the things that tend to dominate on, on YouTube in terms yeah. of uh, viewership. But I mean, it, it is kind of impressive when you really stop and look at just how many videos are being made a month about books, you know, talking about them in some cases, very extensively and very in depth. And it really just does kind of give you hope for, for literacy and the yeah. value of reading and all that sort of thing. Like even, even, in this day and age where it seems to be on the decline in so many other areas, it really seems like 
at least on social media, it's had like a real resurgence in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, they're a great uh, avenue too to find new books, you know, because mm-hmm. they they have their fingers in a lot of pies and they get a lot of arcs and stuff beforehand and they, you know, spread the word out. So people find out stuff. I mean, I know there's some, you know, some of the shows and episodes that I watch regularly mm-hmm. to, to get book reading ideas. Mm-hmm. Plus yeah. We've talked about some of those on, on yeah. the show previously, things like um, nerdy narrative and voices from the mausoleum and stuff like that. Yeah, there's a, like a Steve Talks Books, Nerdy Narrative. Mm-hmm. There's a Jay and Brad from uh, Paper Cuts. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Well-Read uh, Beard. You know, I, I get mm-hmm. onto their shows and I look to see what they're reading, pick and choose which ones I like, put them on my TBR list. Mm-hmm. I should start sending them a bill in of each <laughs> yeah. month for all the Yeah, they're definitely going to grow in the TBR, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah, I was like, oh, that sounds really good. And then it, you kind of look over and go, ah, oh, all right, whatever. I'll get it anyways. Nice. Yeah. Well, and I mean, just, you know, again, speaking, speaking from an author perspective, right? Like it, you know, I definitely have to give a lot of credit and a, and a big shout out to some of the people who've, who've talked about my books on their channel, you know, people like uh, Fit to be Read and uh, the book Wormhole and Book Buds and uh jeremy fee uh who's also an author he's a kind of an author tuber you know having written uh, some poetry books and stuff and being featured in some uh collections some short story collections and whatnot um but those those folks have definitely done a lot to help like jumpstart people's awareness of my stuff uh right. you know via their via their channels and via their uh, platforms so that definitely couldn't definitely would be remiss to not uh, throw them out there and uh and all the others who you know i may have missed <laughs> well we thank all the booktubers for getting the word out keeping reading alive it's uh as he said in the holy grail or monty python we're not dead yet yep i feel happy <laughs> Good times. Yes, sir. All right. Well, as is as is the case, uh, I think it is time to transition to another fun topic, which we seem to enjoy returning to time and time again, which not un- or uh, not surprisingly also is sort of tied into to books in its own way. But you had a, a TV show that you were watching recently uh, that you're kind of getting into uh, that you wanted to talk about for a bit. Yeah. Altered Carbon. Mm-hmm. It was a really have you have you watched any of it? So I watched the first two episodes sort of in preparation uh, to have this discussion. And and I also should say I am a little bit familiar with the with the concept because the the book actually came out. Uh, the book that the show is based off of came out in uh, 2002 and I actually had some awareness of that book when it was released but unfortunately it was during a time when my reading was at an all-time low because it was kind of just as I was getting started in my previous career as a software engineer and just like all of my time was spent in that universe Um, but I remember seeing that book pop up 
uh, a bunch in the early 2000s and like reading a little bit about it and like the whole concept of like skins and stacks and all of like the the cool tech that's like associated with that premise but why don't you go ahead and let the people know like what's up with this thing in case they're not familiar with it yeah well in in the future you don't have to die you can be regenerated into different as you mentioned skins which is like uh, another body either an artificial or a clone body um the really good reactivated lives are by the very rich of course Mm -hmm. and um when you're at at, i guess young or at birth they have a thing called a stack and they put it it's in your uh spinal area Mm -hmm. and it's i guess connected to your brain so it keeps everything sort of formulated so it can be taken out and put into another life form and of course there's people that don't believe in it you know think that people should just you know when they die they die that this is Mm -hmm. not god's will so you have uh, different sort of beliefs and then on top of that you have another whole story well about this one particular person who's brought back from i guess sort of a pseudo prison that mm-hmm. he was in um, yeah i believe they call it putting him on ice yeah yeah and he has been out for a while and he's given a new skin and tasked with finding the killer of somebody so the person that actually sprung him and paid to get him out is a powerful person and he's been murdered although he's alive now because of course his backup stack was yeah was yeah. taken care of so he's supposed to solve this mystery and if he is then he can you know stay alive and mm-hmm. then on top of that there's a whole world building thing where they um, find out about this world that uh, this is all based on and how I'm, I'm guessing they're like, well, they are, they're humans in the, in the, the series, but they come down and um, there's, or there was, I'm not going to spoil it, that like a life force before that left sort of artifacts. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of them are still active. So there's uh, that storyline too. So you've got the, the main character's storyline. You've got the, the mystery part. You've got that sort of whole science fiction sort of part. You've got the this world that's basically built on top of a an older world Mm -hmm. yeah yeah there's there's clearly been some sort of calamitous you know uh, event that has wrecked the world and now it's sort of been rebuilt uh with what's remaining essentially well actually it was built by outsiders so they're not native these people who arrived they were mm-hmm. travelers, space travelers that came to, uh, and yeah, it's once again, these kind of, when you get into these kind of stories, because they're very original stuff, you say too much and it kind of, it'll ruin 
Certain yeah, yeah, because I, I was going to say, I think even me being into episode two, that hadn't been revealed yet. Yeah. Uh, so. so, yeah, we definitely <laughs> want to be careful where we tread here. Yeah. Um, so lots of layers in this one. Mm-hmm. Very original. Um, give it some time. Because at the beginning, you might be wondering what exactly is happening. Mm-hmm. Well, I will say, having just watched those first two episodes, I was definitely almost immediately hooked and engaged. And I definitely will end up watching the rest of it. And especially knowing that it's only two seasons, because I guess it didn't yeah. uh, didn't make it past that point in like the never-ending uh, carousel of prematurely yeah. <laughs> canceled Netflix series. Um yeah. But uh, yeah, what was there, what I what I experienced in those first two episodes was definitely really interesting and compelling and, and, and grabbed me right away. Uh, the characters are really, they yeah. did a good job building them too. So you get caught up with that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'd, I'd be willing to go out on a limb and, and recommend that one to even just having seen the first couple episodes so far. And it's a proper wrap up. People worried, you know, got canceled or whatever. It's like, just watching the two is still satisfying. That's good. That's good to know yeah. for sure. There's definitely been some series that uh, have not had that uh, had that benefit. Although I think I think uh, showrunners are getting a bit more savvy about that sort of thing now, where like they're almost ready to like pivot on a dime and and like wrap a series up in an episode or two if they get the word that the axe is about to fall. Because there's been quite a few series over the past several years that have kind of prematurely uh, gotten the can. And uh, actually, I think that's something probably worth mentioning, right? Like, uh, I know I've got a couple that I was pretty fond of and was pretty disappointed to see go away. Um, I'll just throw one out there right off the top of my head, which is Defiance, if you ever saw that show, which was, uh, I think, a victim of uh, the sci-fi channel's uh, desire to try to create the next Battlestar Galactica with every show that they made (laughs) and not quite managing it uh, in terms of ratings and then promptly punting it uh, before its time, despite it being quite good. Yeah. I would say, like, for me, it's like Firefly. Oh, yeah, it's a very, very popular one that I think people are still very much pining for to this day even though things like serenity have been made like the the firefly fans will never be truly satisfied i think so uh another one too that i was a really super big fan of uh was uh, into the badlands on uh, amc i feel like that show was like criminally underrated uh and was a really good time uh, I only watched a few of the the first couple episodes. I don't know why it stopped. It probably came out when there's a lot of other stuff coming out too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah the the landscape of the of uh, television was pretty crowded at that point, so I could definitely see how that one could have gotten overlooked. And I think I think for sure a lot of people have come to that show uh, late, you know, kind of discovering it after it had already been canceled. And I will right. say that's one where like the ending works like the end of the third season functions as an ending but it definitely leaves you with a lot of unanswered questions and a lot of like head scratching and a lot of like oh man i really wish this went on and went further but i would argue that that's a show that's so good that even though the ending isn't super like 
you know, wrapped up in a nice bow or, or like ultra satisfying, like that's still a show that I feel like is worth watching just because it's so exceptionally good on so many levels. Um, but yeah, it's 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 always a bummer. It's it's one of those things where you know we've talked about it previously on the show where it's like shows don't really get a chance to get going sometimes before the yeah. plug gets pulled. And it uh, it really bums me out, you know, especially if I don't uh, happen to discover something right away and uh, don't get really the chance to have a have a vote as a viewer yeah. as to whether or not the thing should stick around. Yeah, it's uh, it's almost like it's like music, you know, the, the bands aren't given the time to grow and, you know, like in the old days, mm -hmm. everything's like it's got to be now, 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 now. Mm hmm. Well, you know, speaking of music and uh, speaking of bands that definitely had the time to grow and mature, mm -hmm. I think that leads us to our next uh, music segue. I mean, segment. I mean, I'm going to make the thing drive across the screen again because it's hilarious. So what we've kind of decided is that with some of these topics moving forward, we're actually going to take turns picking uh, what we talk about. Uh, and I got to pick this time and I'm going to do something that's probably going to aggravate some people, but I'm going to do it anyway, because we're going to talk about my favorite band rush. Yeah. And my favorite album of theirs, Hold Your Fire. Am I inserting the cricket noises here? <laughs> it's a fine yeah. album. Yeah. It's uh, It's got um, Time Stand Still. Mm -hmm. Time Stand Still. Look at me. I should be a singer. Hey, man. Amy Mann's going to come for those royalties if you don't watch yourself. <laughs> Yeah. I was used to hear stories about how she used to get so mad and salty when like Rush fans would come up to her with copies of that album and ask for her autograph, like at her shows and stuff like that. I heard she really? was not a fan of that. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I know, I know, somewhat, somewhat unpopular choice. But let me let me make my case here. Right? Let, me, let me let me make my argument for this one. Please so, do. Uh, yeah, so I am a I am a huge Mongus Rush fan. I've seen them live uh eight times uh wow. throughout throughout the course of their existence and in, in my like time uh being a fan of theirs. And uh one thing I would say is that to me, Hold Your Fire is a really important album because it represents a couple of different things that I think they do better than just about any other band out there. And one of those things is that balance between sophistication and complexity and accessibility in their songwriting. And I don't think that any of their other albums manifest that in quite the same way that Hold Your Fire does, because it's that, for me, that sort of intangible sweet spot between songs that are very competent and intricate and clever musically while still being 
immediately accessible, right? When you hear a lot of the songs on that album, like A Time Stand Still or Force yeah. 10 or Lock and Key or any of like the bigger sort of more popular songs from that album, they're the sort of songs where when you hear them for the first time, you feel like you've heard them your whole life, right? Like you feel like that song is immediately recognizable and immediately clicks in a way that where like it doesn't really have to grow on you you don't really have to um you know parse it to to comprehend it it's just, they're the sort of songs that you can immediately click with and resonate with on even like the first or second listen but then as you listen to them repeatedly and over and over again and you reveal the sort of intricacies and details and subtleties and nuances of the songwriting you know in terms of the song structure and the lyrical content and all the all those sorts of details all the production flourishes and everything those songs have a lot of depth to them as well that i think only becomes really revealed as you get further in to the listening experience and and have those repeated listenings and now of course that's not to say that a lot of their other albums don't have those same qualities but for me that album really manifests all of those things in a way that I think goes above and beyond what any of their other albums do, at least for me. Now, the other thing I'll say before you, before you rebuke everything that I just said is that the other thing that I really love about that album is how sort of gracious and accommodating Alex Lifeson was in his guitar playing on it. Because, you know, when you when you see interviews with them talking about that album and like him in particular, you know, he really let himself take a back seat on that album because like, you know, Getty and, and Neil had things that they wanted to do musically that, that were sort of like where their kind of hearts and minds were in terms of what they wanted to present. Uh, the, the things they were into, the sort of lyrical themes that they wanted to explore, the sort of song ideas they wanted to explore. And the thing I always found really uh, sort of almost sweet about that album is the way Alex kind of just takes a back seat and finds like his own way to like make his guitar parts fit into what's going on with the rest of that album in a way that's very like generous and very like accommodating to their like desires artistically. And I don't think there's a lot of bands where like people would have been willing to put their own ego and their own like creative desires and efforts aside like that to let the other people in the band have their moment and have their thing that they were trying to do without the band like imploding or like you know everything just kind of falling apart like i think that album really just goes to show how tight those guys were not just as a band but in terms of like being friends and being like accommodating of each other and supportive of each other to the point where even though he wasn't like fully on board with what they were doing creatively he like threw himself at it so completely it came up with some really innovative and interesting and cool guitar stuff to work within the confines of what they had created you know for him to to fill in and so like that to me is one of the reasons why i always like kind of hold that album up as like a special thing because i don't think 
a lot of other bands could have pulled it off musically or sort of emotionally right like i don't i don't think a lot of other bands would have had the 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 sort of uh integrity to 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 create a project like that so that's that's all i wanted to say go ahead eviscerate me <laughs> i i can't because the main reason i can't is because there are no bad rush albums nice at nice. all uh one of my favorite bands uh of course a, a fine canadian band fine canadian trio um it's uh i mean hold your fire wouldn't be my pick of course mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. uh you know growing up with them when they were a, a toronto band um the early work always is going to be a bigger player but Having said that, moving forward, I mean, like Bastille Day, Working Man, I mean, are, are, are sort of nuggets that are instilled inside of me. But for me, I, I would have to go like 2112. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, uh, it was just such a, a cool album. You know, it's like a whole concept, you know, mm-hmm. album. It's where they really came and into their own yep well it's basically the album that saved their career yeah because it was kind of their last chance with their record company you know if that if that album hadn't taken off and sold the way that it did there there wouldn't have been any any more albums right that was that was their make or break moment really yeah yeah Yeah. i liked uh i like hemispheres as well Mm -hmm. i liked but still not not the same as 2112 Mm -hmm. um but, the um, Kings. Do you, do you go the full space trilogy? Yeah, it, it's. I guess for me, it'd be twenty one twelve. Um, moving pictures, because of course mm. it has Tom Sawyer, right? Uh, right. The most yeah. like. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone in the world, as soon as you hear that beginning, everybody that opening knows synthesizer that is... and drum hit right is yeah. ingrained into the collective consciousness at this point. I would say. Yeah, and permanent waves was another big move or big movie, another mm-hmm. big uh, album for me too. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, Spirit of the Radio, Free yeah. Will, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. So those those big impressions. Um, mm-hmm. As I said, I uh, the Hemisphere. I had uh, the album was a uh, back when they used to make colored uh, albums. So you'd have your normal mm-hmm. black Picture album, discs. but this one had yeah. The red. Yeah, it was a red album. Mm-hmm. Nice. So it was cool. But uh, 2112, yeah, I remember when I first heard it, it was just like, never heard anything like it. Yeah. Kind of thing. And then they kind of, you know, changed it up. And with, uh, uh, I wouldn't say, because I never said they're mainstream, because they were always seemed to be cutting edge with their sounds Mm -hmm. and what they tried to do. But moving pictures uh, was as i mean it was a big album yeah but it was um it was more um accessible to other people not just like hardcore fans like you or i kind of thing Mm -hmm. um who were like from the beginning because there's a lot of people who didn't like that they were moving into a more 
mainstream kind of yeah mainstream blame. sound you know the yeah. hardcore no it's got to be you know the old it's got to be progressive rock or, yeah. or nothing yeah 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 but i really enjoyed moving pictures and uh, permanent waves um mm-hmm. i'd say they even knock out uh, hemispheres for me because it was always 2112 hemispheres because that was just the time where what music was really influencing me and that stick with you at that time of your life that it never mm-hmm. leaves you Mm-hmm. But those two would usurp hemispheres. It would be like twenty-one, twelve, moving pictures, yeah, and uh, permanent waves would my my. Well, it, it's funny, right? Because when you think about it, right, it makes a lot of sense, right? Because you are about ten years older than me, yeah. right? So, so my time period to be like mostly affected by music would have been, you know, eighty-seven instead of seventy-seven. Right. right yeah and so there there you have it right that's yeah. the, the there there's the the key i think to the whole thing yeah. um but yeah it's uh it's bananas just how much good to excellent music that they came up with right throughout yeah. their career and also their ability to reproduce that music in a live setting is pretty much unparalleled right like i don't yeah. i don't know that you could realistically like reasonably make a an argument for there being like a better live band than them i know yeah. i'm going to take some heat for that from the internet but whatever bring it i don't care yeah, they were well proof is in the pudding my wife's not a huge rush fan um, and uh, they came and I mean, I'd seen them several times, but they came back to, uh, to Ottawa and, uh, I said, let's, let's go see them. And she was like, I don't know, but she went and it was one of those, there's been a few that I brought her to where just changed her mind. They're mm-hmm. really great. You know, some, she was like, yeah, I still don't like them, but mm-hmm. Rush was not one of them. She went and it converted her. So yeah. she'll actually listen to Rush now. So the problem nice. too is it's like a lot of people they listen to Getty's voice and they don't it's give an it a chance. Taste. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and and people who don't even really listen to them, but hear other people go on about it. So mm-hmm. it's like, oh yeah, it's Getty Lee's voice, blah, 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 blah. And I was right. like, well, wait to hear them. Actually listen to a whole album or watch them live. And she did, and she she's a convert. Yeah. So, what I mean, going back to twenty one twelve for a second, like just those live renditions of the overture, right? When he's yeah. just like wailing on the mic, you know, and he's just like, and and if you ever hear heard him do it live, his voice would overpower the amplification, right? So if you were anywhere near the stage, <laughs> you were hearing him, you know, more than you were hearing the amp. Right. Yeah. And, and that was like an awe-inspiring kind of experience, right? That'll put like chills up your spine. Like there was very few people that had that level of like power and control in their voice. And of course he had all sorts of problems with his voice, like later on, you know, in their career as a result of all that, like hard singing he did back in the seventies yeah. and like had to go through like a lot of, you know, uh, effort to to preserve his voice and keep it going, you know, up, up till their sort of retirement. But yeah. uh, man, that dude, like, I, I get it, right? Like, I, I get that, like, not everybody's a fan of the way his voice sounds, but like, just the, 
the technical excellence of like his control over his voice, I think is pretty hard to argue with. Yeah. Yeah. And they were all such gifted musicians. I mean, Neil Peart was such a loss when he passed away. Oh, oh yeah. It, it was, was just what a drummer. Devastating. Yeah. 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 But all three of them are just were. And I think they're like, when you read articles, you see uh, like different documentaries on them. It's like, they were such, so articulate and so always trying to better themselves, you know, they weren't just spewing out same stuff, this stuff, they were like, were uh, perfectionists, you know, they just, it had to be the best. They had to try something new. So. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's the thing, right. When you, when you do try new things, you're, it's not always going to resonate with everybody. Right. But that was, definitely one of the things i loved the most about them is all their evolutions right because it's like every three or four albums that they put out it would be a different sound or a different like wrinkle or a different take on what they had done previously right because like you know you you talk about like the the space trilogy albums right like 2112 and farewell to kings and hemispheres that's kind of like an era unto itself and then you have like moving pictures and uh permanent waves and signals that's kind of like an era unto itself and then of course my my personal favorite you know being like grace under pressure into power windows into hold your fire right like i consider that to be like a a little era unto itself of them like doing you know uh, what they were doing there musically and then like into the 90s you know it's another those those albums leading into the 90s like presto and roll the bones and counterparts that's another little pocket of their existence and so it's it's kind of crazy when you think about just how many evolutions and iterations they went through as a band but never broke from the core of of who they were and never really had any kind of major falling outs or drama or anything like that right they just showed up and did the work for like 40 years like how many bands can say that and they never sold out they stuck to their beliefs and what their vision was and Mm -hmm. kept at it yep yeah fabulous band mad mad respect forever forever respect for those guys just because uh, i feel like they earned it (laughs) kudos Uh, to you for picking such a fine band uh thank you thank you i uh i couldn't i couldn't I couldn't have really picked anyone else at the end of the day. Like that's, that's my favorite band for sure by like a mile. Uh, But you know, there are some others I will definitely mention in future episodes that I have a similar uh, affinity for, but uh, yeah, Rush definitely gets their own little, little pedestal to stand on. I think in my, in my brain. Perfect. So much so that I actually called a little bit of an audible here. And we're actually we actually ended up talking about them before video games, which is actually what we're going to talk about now. Because I I was so excited, I, I took us out of order there, but that's okay, right? You're 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 ready to tell the world about your latest video game obsession, right? The Last of Us. It's a yeah. fun game if you like sad, depressing. I was going to say fun is not the word that would have popped into my mind hearing the last of us, but go ahead, explain yourself. Yeah, no, it's uh, once again, kind of a survival horror 
type of thing. It's got a great storyline. Um, you know, this uh, this kind gentleman who's not all that kind is uh, going to try to escort this, uh, this woman through a very unpleasant landscape. And uh, yeah, it's Pittsburgh, isn't it? (laughs) It's uh, it's um, they really built a cool world. Um, and it's now they're making a new uh, a movie out of it, Mm -hmm. it's coming out in the uh, the new year. And um, yeah, it was just it was loads, loads of fun. I have to. Be honest it's been a while since i've uh, played it because mm-hmm. of course i jumped on it then. when it first came out yeah 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 and then as i said all the buzz now with the uh the film coming out it's uh you know making me want to uh pull it out again and uh mm-hmm. give it another spin through now did you play the last of us too or did you did you just completely no, no bad just, on that one yeah yeah just the first one. I know the first, I know the second one is very uh, divisive. I know there's a lot of people who who love it and a lot of people who not so much. Uh, but I, I have not I have not actually played either of them. Uh, oh, however, yeah. I do uh, understand the uh, the love for that for that first game, especially because it uh, it definitely seemed to be doing a lot of really cool stuff. Not the least of which being a pretty cool multiplayer mode that it had that people seemed to overlook and forget about, which uh, apparently a lot of people really liked. Well, it was, you know, yeah, yeah. You had to sort of make decisions that, uh, you know, you didn't know what, if this decision, what it was going to, you know, cause kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, you, do you let this person die mm-hmm. or do you let them live? You know, do you shoot this person in the head? You know, is it going to come back to haunt you? You think it's a good idea, but maybe right. there's ramifications for doing such a thing. Mm-hmm. And that was a really cool part of it. And uh, it, it was very, um, I don't want to say it was dark, which it, it just a lot of sadness. Mm-hmm. Like, post-apocalyptic it's is not always fun <laughs> you don't say fun world yeah i would i wouldn't have imagined such a thing yeah it's not all hopping around in a cool sports car with your german shepherd by your side hunting down vampiric uh, uh zombie types you know and uh living mm-hmm. large uh mm-hmm. this one's uh is gritty everything's great i mean the the people who who survived are garbage. <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the creatures are garbage. It's just like it's not a great place to uh, to live, and certainly not a great place to be a young girl. No, no, I would think the the struggle would definitely be real on that front for yeah. sure. Yeah, some of the decisions that you make, you're just kind of like, I don't want to make these decisions. Right. There's no good choice you know, here. Yeah, it's just uh it it was it was very uh it was pretty harsh. But mm-hmm. uh I'm really looking forward to seeing what uh what happens. I just hope they don't blow the movie. Yeah. I hope they I hope they did a good job. But they've got it looks it looks really cool. Mm-hmm. So, 
So we'll, uh, yeah, I, I would be interested to check out the movie for sure, even though I haven't played the games. And um, the game playing the games is definitely not off the table for me. It's just um, The Last of Us kind of had that unfortunate uh, luck of coming out right after I had really started to get more into playing multiplayer games. Right. Um, and then kind of shying more away from single player experiences. Like I think I've mentioned it on the show before, but I'm kind of down to the point now where I only play like a handful of single player games a year these right. days. And so the, the last of us has just never made that cut for me. Um, but it's, it's one that I have, uh, have thought about a lot. Like a lot of those really big tentpole Sony games, right? Like, uh, horizon zero dawn and, days gone and uh you know all those all those big god of war you know like those big single yeah. player experiences are always kind of tantalizing for me and i feel like i never would take them off the table completely in terms of like yeah. something i might pick up and play it's just other things tend to distract me these days especially yeah. like if it's co-op or multiplayer or whatever that's sure. that's kind of my jam lately yeah, well, this one's very immersive. I mean, you just you get right into the the world, and it's realistic with the decisions that you have mm-hmm. to make. You know, there's no easy decisions. Uh, the characters are really good. Um, it's uh, just to go through like the bleak world that they're in is something else. That probably be one of the reasons a lot of people didn't like it. You know, it's like. You know when you could be spinning webs and like flying around you know yeah yeah the town yeah. and your uh web slinging uh you know outfit it's you know to play something that's so so dark and asks so much of you um mm-hmm. emotionally um mm-hmm. people are just like yeah i just not uh, i i want to play for fun and uh adventure and have it done this one just like but it's just the, the yeah, realism experience and, the power fantasy yeah. which is a lot of games are sort of built around that right it's like i'm gonna i'm gonna be a superhero i'm gonna win everything and smash everything yeah yeah but i mean they're making a movie out of it so someone you know saw the uh the potential in it yeah definitely a game to check out and you can probably get it dirt cheap too now well yeah now the movie's coming out they probably try to razor rights again or prices. well i know they just did a remastered version of it or in the process of doing a remastered version of it for the ps5 and i, I assume that will come to pc at some point because all of the sony stuff is coming to pc these days uh, i can imagine awesome. how cool that would look yeah I, I think that might be where they actually uh get me with that yeah. one you know if that if that remastered version of the first one comes to steam that might be something i'd have to have to give a go um but I, but you know to your point i think the great thing about games like that is the fact that you do have to be in a mood or in the right mindset for them right because i think there's something about entertainment that's just meant to be universal or meant to be like easy to ingest that I think sometimes makes it a little less impactful than something that asks more of you as a consumer, right? Like, and and that's why I think things that are quirky or darker or more demanding tend to resonate with people in a way that's something that kind of goes easy on you just can't, 
in in, in a lot of ways you know and, and i i think that's just sort of the price that those uh entities pay is you, you're not going to get everybody with a game like that but the people who you do get it's really going to resonate with them and click with them and leave a lasting impression on them and i think that's really cool right that stuff like that can still exist where it doesn't have to be this big like blockbuster you know uh tentpole you know thing although yeah i guess you could argue last of us was a huge hit but yeah. i don't think that was a foregone conclusion right like i don't think they were necessarily expecting that that game would be the success that it was when they made it and maybe that's part of what made it a success yeah, well i think the beginning i mean you would have missed if you got like for myself you got caught up in the hype at the beginning when you saw the first you know trailers and the little bit of things they were throwing out i was like oh i can't wait this because it just the look of it and how well all the graphics were put together it was just uh, it was something so if you hadn't really seen the trailers and been engaged in the sort of build-up of it it could have come and gone without you really playing or oh it's, it's another post-apocalyptic you know you're running around and zombies are after you but it wasn't like mm-hmm. that at all so i think uh but it's just and i it's tough because of this decision making and stuff too you can look at both ways one you can play it again and make a different decision mm-hmm. you know which is cool but yeah because it's kind of very story arcish a lot of people say, like, "Wow, what's the story's done? I don't want to like relive." Or it's like the the, the first thing. experience you had is your story, and you don't yeah. necessarily want to change that, right? Because exactly. you you did it the way you wanted to do it, and now that's like yeah. your sort of canon version of yeah. the story is the choices that you made. Yeah. yeah. So it's uh, yeah, but the uh, yeah, The Last of Us. If you haven't played it, you should check it out before the movie comes out. Indeed. That way, you're the director of your own movie. Nice. Good times. Exactly. What about you? What do you have for us today? Well, kind of keeping in that vein, because uh, I knew, knew you were going to talk about Last of Us, I wanted to talk about sort of the, the multiplayer sort of spin on that sort of concept of the whole post-apocalyptic survival you know, concept. Uh, which is a game that I think is, in my mind, probably one of the most influential titles that's happened in the past 10 years or so, which is a game called DayZ. And uh, for those who aren't aware of it, uh, which probably is a lot of people, surprisingly, um, it's a post-apocalyptic zombie sandbox survival game set in a fictitious eastern european country and in terms of plot and any sort of like structured gameplay experience there's really not a lot to speak of there where this game kind of excels and sort of stands head and shoulders above a lot of other experiences that i've had as a game player is in the sort of dynamic spontaneous uh you know just unpredictable elements that can occur within it because basically you have this huge map this you know 140 plus square kilometer 
map with all this terrain and these cities and these military bases and little towns and secret areas and stuff that you can discover that's just full of all this loot right this equipment food uh the means to create your own bases and facilities and stuff and also a bunch of other players who are trying to get all that same stuff for themselves and make sure that you don't exist anymore <laughs> And so basically Always when fun. you when you play a game of DayZ, you hop into this map and you basically have nothing, right? You start out with like the clothes on your back and like maybe a handful of little basic survival items. And then you start running around this huge map and, you know, going into buildings, trying to get stuff, you know, looking under tables, looking under couches, trying to find like any scraps of whatever you can scrounge together to build like an existence for yourself and at any given moment you can come across another player and they can talk to you through voice chat and they might be friendly they might want something from you they might kill you on site they might try to like do the long con on you and like <laughs> pretend to be your friend and try to get you to do a bunch of dangerous stuff for them and then you know whack you after they got what they wanted out of you there's a lot of like crazy psychology and crazy just one of a kind game experiences that happen in that game that i don't think i've ever really seen manifest in any other game that i've played yeah hmm. um but that that game had a really crazy sort of tumultuous development process because it basically started out as a mod uh, for a game called Arma 2. Uh, and so for the first several years of its existence, that's all it really was, was this really super popular mod where like people would literally go and buy the game Arma 2 just to play this DayZ mod, you know, on, on the game. Uh, and they'd actually have Steam sales and stuff on Arma just so more people could get the game to play the mod. And then wow. eventually the game became, or the mod became so popular that the company that made Arma bought the rights to it and actually hired the guy who who came up with the mod to make a standalone version of the of the DayZ game. Um, that lasted for about a year before he went off to Greener Pastures, basically took his big bag of money and went off and made his own game company. <laughs> uh, and then uh, a bunch of other people just spent years essentially trying to take that concept and turn it into like a fully fledged game, which actually ended up taking several more years. So like from the time the mod came out in 2012 to the time the actual game came out in it's like initial 1.0 version was like 2018. So you're talking wow. like a six plus year development cycle just to get like the first version of the game out the door. And then ever since then, they've just kind of been building on that and trying to like continue to refine it and uh, and improve upon it. And uh, it's it's been crazy to watch that unfold. Like there's there's so many people playing games now who that game is older than them. Yeah, <laughs> it's still like a, still a thing that like tens of thousands of people play every day, and it's still like actively being worked on. It has this like crazy community of people that have like built up around it um you know we talk about we talked about stuff like booktube and that sort of thing earlier like yeah. the 
the community that built up in uh on twitch around people streaming that game and like doing like role-playing streams and you know survival streams and stuff like that and uh another thing that a lot of people probably aren't aware of is that like the whole battle royale concept right like the whole idea of like what what battle royale games like apex legends and player unknowns battlegrounds and you know things like that that are so popular now like call of duty warzone uh the the concept of that was very much rooted in the arma 2 mod scene because the original battle royale mod was it was another arma 2 mod uh and, mm-hmm. and so like and, and even like an original event for like daisy whenever that game was first becoming popular was they did a, a thing called the survivor games which was basically like the daisy spin on the battle royale concept and this was like years and years before even uh player unknown came out and so like it just the legacy of that game and like the influence and the impact that it's had on like the development of the game industry over the past 10 years or so is like i just feel like it can't be uh overstated it's it's a it's a pretty incredible project like the the history of it and like the impact that it's had games so much fun oh yeah yeah you can never you can never have enough but I guess I, I would throw Daisy out there as the the alternative for the multiplayer kids, right? If you want that post-apocalyptic zombie uh, survival experience, and you don't really care about story, and you just are into the multiplayer and the the PVE and the PVP, uh, that might be that might be the road to take. So you're kind of covered both ways, uh, single player or otherwise. So there you go. So if you want to stand alone, just sitting on your couch play last of us you want to mm-hmm. get in there with the potential of someone coming up and stealing all your stuff <laughs> daisy there, there you, you go. go we got you covered here on the post we got to cover every, all everybody's bases we got a diverse exactly. audience pool here now that now that we're uh growing as a show here we got to make sure we service everybody's needs exactly well, speaking of which, I think I might need a nap after all of that because we just talked about a lot of stuff, as is our way. Yes. But, well, yeah. I was going to take a nap, but instead I'm going to go watch that uh, Godzilla marathon. Uh, excellent. Excellent. <laughs> <sighs> Godzilla. It's another thing we need to talk about more extensively at some point, but I'll add that to the list. You can look forward to that, everybody. We we just yeah. wait for that Godzilla conversation. Yeah. Whole episode. Godzilla. Nice. All right. Well, let's get out of here. Uh we will see you all again next time. And Happy New see. Year. Very clever. Good times. Congratulations. You just survived the post-mortem report. For more information about the show, the hosts, or the things they talked about, check out our super swanky information page at anchor.fm slash postmortem report. Until next time, always remember, good posts never die.